Welcome to the Thundercast, your martial athletics podcast produced by the fans, for the fans, with your hosts, Russ Livingood and KD Hudnall. We're bringing you the thundering word on the thundering herd each and every week. So keep it right here. The Thundercast is on the loose. Thanks for downloading another episode of the Thundercast. Follow us on Twitter at Thundercast underscore pod. And please go like us on Facebook if that's your thing. Uh, please take a second also go down to the description of this episode and click the link to subscribe to the Thundercast YouTube channel. We are starting to put more content over there. And if you'll notice, for those of you that have been subscribed already, uh, we just posted four really cool interviews from members of the 1992 National Championship Marshall football team. So those are posted and live will remain up there as well. So that's the type of content that you can uh, hopefully continue to expect from us over on YouTube. Some of that stuff was just going to be YouTube exclusive stuff. It won't make it over here to, you know, um, Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify or anything like that. That's just going to be YouTube channel exclusive stuff. So we're we're hoping to have more interviews. Of course, our podcasts are also going to be transitioning to video, and those will be over there as well. So just do yourself a favor and go subscribe now so you don't miss any of the content as we get it posted. Russ, it's a weird week, sort of, kind of, a little in uh, herd athletics. Not so much for everybody else because everybody else plays normal schedules, as does the football team most of the time. But this is the Marshalls. First midweek game uh, in the Sunbelt Conference era. We're going to be kicking off against Louisiana here in, well, it's a week. A week from today. We're recording Wednesday. So this episode will just be the recap of the Gardner-Webb game. We're going to also give you five things and take you around the herd and all that stuff. But your Louisiana preview will be closer to uh, game day. So this is a unique experience for us as far as the the Thundercast goes uh, with um, football week prep and recaps, but um, we're hoping we can do maybe what we're going to call a midweek deep dive. Since these may only occur once a season, uh, it gives us an opportunity to to really look closely at the team that we're going to play since we'll have an extra episode that week. But look, we got a lot to get into and we need to get started with that. But first, let's get a quick word from our sponsors at 304carwreck.com. If you've been injured in a car wreck, visit 304carwreck.com on the web or on Facebook. What happens when an Ohio driver crashes into a West Virginia driver in Kentucky? That can be a mess. But if you can dream it up, Jason and Matt have probably been there, done that, and gotten their clients paid. Don't fight the insurance companies alone. Contact Jason and Matt at 304carwreck.com. Russ, we got a ton of information to cover in this episode, even without a Louisiana preview. So let's get it rolling and give me five things that every Herd fan needs to know this week. Yeah, and as always, these are brought to you by Ignite Link, the Tri-State's premier IT management team. Number one, huge news. We got a check from the governor for $13.8 million for this little old baseball field. That uh, brings <laughs> nothing to for, sneeze at. <laughs> no, that uh, ups it to a total of twenty-one point eight million. Eight million came from uh, Huntington. Thirteen point eight came from the state. Uh, I believe that a million of that eight was going toward a specific thing with the transfer of property and that sort of thing. So, 
we're still looking around uh, $21 million, somewhere around there. And then, of course, we continue to fundraise. So we talked to uh, either the last episode or the episode before that when we were, you know, just kind of zoning in around the baseball stadium again when we talked about, like, the banner hanging up said future site of and you know, equipment starting to move around and stuff like that. And we talked about, you know, maybe your priority is to just get the stadium built and then some of those amenity things come later. Well, mm-hmm. this check certainly helps out with those sort of things, right? So, yeah, we're going to continue to fundraise, but it just makes that project come to fruition and to completion a little bit easier, right? That's 13 point some million dollars less that Marshall has to try to come up with. So that's, that's not no small, um, no small amount to put towards this project. This is huge, man. So um, even an, another thing that folks can come off of the fence about, right? You can really start to get behind this project. Like it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Like, I don't know if there's too many other things that have to happen before everybody completely buys in. I think it's a very, very small section of the fan base now that is still uh, cautious about this project. Uh, when the when dollars of this size start getting thrown around, then there's something to it. So I think we have moved past the, is it going to happen? And now we've looked into, well, how much are they going to get done without having to you know, do a phase two or a phase three. And I, th- I think this is this is a pretty big deal. Wouldn't you agree? I do, but I still think that we're going to have a more basic stadium with upgrades to come later, uh, just because of the timeline specifically. But uh, knowing what we knew about the budget and how it came back higher uh, than what we had budgeted for, I think that you're still going to see a very nice stadium being built, you know, concessions, concourse, all that stuff. Uh, It's going to be a huge upgrade over what we have and not to mention being right there beside the softball stadium, but um, you will see, I think that mutual use building that we were talking about for softball and uh, baseball, that'll probably have to come later. You know, they're going to need right now, maybe even, don't do much with parking lot, but specifically get in lights, video board, everything that you need to compete, to host uh, tournaments, everything that you would need to meet the Sun Belt requirements and have a nice stadium. And then, and who cares if it takes a couple of years? I would love to have it day one, have a multi-use building and all that. And I know that the teams would, but Priority has to be getting that field done first, and then you see what you can do. Well, let me qualify a little bit further what I meant by that. What I meant, I I agree with you. I don't Mm -hmm. think everything's going to get done in 15 months. What I'm saying is this alleviates a little bit of that problem. Like, all right, now we we built this. Now we have to fundraise more. That's what I meant. It's like, no, it's going to take time, but more of the money is there to keep that project rolling. It's what I meant by phases is like, well, okay, we're out of money now. Now we have to raise more money to build more stuff. That's what I meant. Well, so I I still think uh, we're talking about the same thing. I still think that we are going to come up short. This obviously helps, but that alone will not get everything that we need from a budget. And we are probably going to have to, uh, Man, it might even take another seven million bucks. Yeah. Well, you got that. Where? (laughs) I I, I need to go. I need to go get it if I do. (laughs) 
<laughs> but no, I mean, this, this, said, uh, where? <laughs> this, this obviously changes everything, you know, getting 13.8, like you said, that's nearly 14 that you don't have to come up with. Yeah. Uh, but uh, one of the things, as I understand it, is that this can be paid in installments, not the 13.8, but for the project that you can kind of finance it, mm -hmm. you know, so it might cost more over the long run. We had talked about this before, but that also makes it a little easier to stomach. So maybe, maybe some of these things can be financed and you get them on day one, but you got to have a video board. You got to have lights and you got to have an adequate playing surface and seating. Mm -hmm. I think they will probably set it up to where more seats could easily be added later. That would mm -hmm. be an easy thing to do. And that might come in the form of, well, we'll add some to the outfield and you'll have everything, you know, behind home plate as it is not have to need a second deck or anything. You can right, just yeah. go further down the foul poles and then in the outfield. It sounds like it would be a good opportunity there to create like a, a, a smaller little beer garden type deal. Like you see at minor league ball, like Appalachia power park, for example, or power sure. park now, yep. you know, just something that's an attraction that will get people out there. Cause Hey, ultimately the more people that go and if they, you know, if this is a ticketed, becomes a ticketed um sport you know instead of just go for free well then that, of course you're raising money so if you can yeah. go and have a good time and and uh you know have a few beers and watch baseball then that's going to help generate some of that extra revenue but anyway you slice it 13 point whatever million bucks is just awesome to see it is and for the powers that be that might be listening to this um i still maintain that a good idea would be to sell season tickets early a, a year in advance that yeah. way you can get uh once the plans are known and how many seats you're going to have and where those seats will be i would buy season tickets early personally and i'm sure the thundercast would as well yeah and that way you know it would give a little bit i mean we're not talking about you know raising several million dollars it's just not going to be that with a thousand seat or two thousand seat or whatever however many seats they have but um it it would raise some money. So yeah. maybe that allows you to do something better. So yeah. Yeah. We I'm would definitely we would definitely buy season tickets early, whether we get to go or I mean that's just kind of what we do. Yeah. So uh let's go over to number two and also new addition to us is a fuel station major upgrade in the uh Shoei building for the uh football team. Uh, saw photos I know you did as well mm -hmm. uh, Gatorade designed it from my understanding and uh, it's just really nice upgrade to whatever they may have had there before yeah it's like a nice place for uh, snacks to be healthy snacks healthy options uh, I imagine like your uh, your um, I mean they're called sports performance team now you know not the uh, the old strength and conditioning type thing but it's the sports performance type deal to where you know if you're now capable if you need to whip up let's say a hundred protein shakes mm -hmm. <laughs> you've got the commercial type ability to do that in bulk so th these are the type of facilities that uh, a lot of folks don't think about because when you make a smoothie in your kitchen you're making it for one you know so if you've got to make recovery drinks or uh, that type of thing for an entire team. It's pretty nice to basically have a smoothie king inside of your facility. Uh, so that's a pretty cool addition. Uh, anytime you get cool stuff like that, and and it just looks cool, man. Whenever you see like 
the herds, you know, like uh, logos on it or, you know, the 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 name on it. It's just cool. It's just cool to see branded stuff, you know, and this this kind of goes, you know, so many people think weight room, weight room, weight room, that type of stuff. But, you know, equally as important in your fitness regimen, your strength regimen is what you're putting in your body, like the fuel, the literal fuel. So this this goes a long way into uh, cre helping create that um, complete package for our student athletes. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Uh, there is uh, obviously an enticement for the players that are here. You would have to figure it's an enticement for recruits when they come in and see something like that. It's just one more thing that gives us a little bit of an edge in different, different scenarios and situations. So, well, as far um, as it looks cool, it's, uh, it also says, Hey, we're, we're, lo we look at this from, you know, a whole, I hate, I don't, I don't know what to say, a holistic, right? It's not what I mean, but like an entire approach. It's not just weight room, locker room, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's diet and, and training and everything. So this is, this is a good sell, good selling point for uh, recruits in the future for sure. And it's immediate and instant impact for guys that are currently here. This is not something that you're going to build and you won't see the benefits for, for a couple of years. Like it's, it's plug it in and it works, right? Like you get it immediately. Yeah. Yeah. On to number three, let's uh, keep it with football and talk a little bit about Kalen Laburn. He is now two yards away from leading the nation in rushing yards. Yeah. And uh, we talked about this. I knew it was going to be close after our post game mm -hmm. uh, spaces we had uh, going on there after the Gardner Webb game. I was doing some quick math and I knew it was going to be close and turns out I was right. It's, you know, I, I figured it was going to be two or three yards and um, that's exactly what it is. I think it's two yards from tying number one in the country yeah. and three from leading. Mm -hmm. So uh, we are all witnesses to probably one of the best stories in college football that is vastly going untold. You know, this, this kid is a, is a, Basically, he has one opportunity, right, to get something, to have something go right for him because the, he's he's on his final year of eligibility. So all the all the cards are on the table. It's got to happen for him this year, and he's coming out and having an unbelievably special year. I mean, unbelievably special year. If if you would have told us or any herd fan, you know, at the beginning of the year, a couple of things. If you would have just said, "Hey, you're going to have a running back that's going to be in the top two, top three in rushing in the country," everyone would have been like. Sweet, man. We figured Ali was going to have a great year. And while you probably aren't wrong in that capacity, because he's a great running back in his own right, to say that your um, RB2 going in would be that guy, you would think, there's no way. This is amazing. You know, so I think the year that Laburn is, is putting out there is unbelievably um, – I don't. I don't necessarily want to say heartwarming, but it does make you feel good inside, you know. And the, he bet on himself. He's he's, and and he's putting the stats out there. He's putting it on film, and this is undoubtedly going to lead to opportunities for him as long as he stays mostly healthy. And you don't see something, dare I say, catastrophic happen. And he's 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 going to get an opportunity to play mm -hmm. next year for somebody in the NFL. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to throw it out there and say, oh, like he's going to be a slam dunk draft pick. Or I'm, not, I'm also going to say he's not going to be a slam dunk draft pick. But what I'm saying is he's doing enough now to show that he's got the ability and the talent to play at the next level. So congratulations to him. This is great. 
That reminds me, this is just a little personal thing on Twitter, but uh, I had chimed in on someone discussing Sunbelt uh, running back rooms, and they were uh, a little more bullish on uh, their team, and I'm wanting to say it was App State. Probably. Has, a, has an amazing running back duo, yeah. you know, and uh, this was before Ali had been hurt, I believe, maybe even the week before. And I had just commented, you know, somebody said it was, you know, premature and they didn't think Laburn would do anything or, you know, he said that he hadn't played in three years, that sort of thing. And I just said, hey, this is not being a fanboy or anything by all accounts, including my own personal view during the green and white game. This guy is special, you know, mm-hmm. and he, he is every bit what he's been hyped up as a five-star running back and he's showing that right now. He has, he has the head fakes. He has uh, everything. He is being a bulldozer down there sometimes to get two or three yards when, you know, it's just a, a little dive play and there's not a hole open. You know, he just leans forward, goes low and picks up two or three. And that's how you get those yards is when you're not losing every now and then he rarely loses on any kind of rush attempt i mean it is very rare he's always fighting to get at least one or back to the line yeah that's the old he's always falling forward compliment Mm -hmm. that you get and and that does say a lot and you know it is a little concerning that the load he is having to carry is so great right now because of um some of the deficiencies in the passing game i mean you know 30 carries on average per game is just really hard to stay sustainable for an entire seat. That's a lot of abuse, but he's probably able to carry that load for a number of reasons. A, he hasn't played a ton of ball over the past couple of years. So that's a lot of hits that you're not taking. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and he is highly personally motivated, like I said, because it's got to happen this year. It has to happen this year. So, you know, what are you, it's kind of a double-edged sword. You're, you're like, what, what, what am I leaving something on the table for? But at the same time, you're thinking, well, I'd also like to be able to play this entire year and not just put you know, put together half of a really great season and then have the rest of it lost to injury. Uh, I don't care, man. This is just special and it's fun to watch. And he, just like we were preaching last year, like Marshall's not a 7-6 and six team if Rasheen Ali doesn't rush for 1,400 yards and lead the country in touchdowns. It's kind of the same song and dance currently for the herd because there's nothing that's blowing you away in the passing game. You know, like we're not out there ripping 400 yards a game through the air. We're doing enough to get it done two thirds of the time. You know, uh, the other third of the time, we're not really getting it done enough through the air to equate to a win. So if Laburn's not having as special of a season as he's having, man, we might be singing a completely different tune right now, you know? Mm -hmm. So it just speaks to how um, under the radar this entire story is, this entire thing is that really nobody outside of the Marshall fan base is talking about it. And Mm -hmm. it's wild to me that we're five games in and it seems like commonplace. You know, well, Labor went over 100 again. That's just how it is. I mean, every week he goes over 100 and – you know, 191 this past week, 
and they took him out after the 78-yard run because there was no reason for him to go back in there. But now in retrospect, you go back in and you go, you know, you give a guy two more carries, maybe he goes over 200 yards and he ends up being the nation's leading rusher. I know mm-hmm. that doesn't matter, but it makes for great talking points, right? You're like, wow, mm-hmm. this kid come out of nowhere to a lot of people, and now he's leading the country, you know, a, a little bit more than a quarter way through the season. It's just special, man. It's just special. And I think we should take a give a little bit of extra appreciation to what's being accomplished, you know, because he's a huge reason that we're three and two. You know, mm-hmm. as opposed to maybe a little worse. Mm-hmm. I would also like to point out, you know, offensive line has been getting bashed a lot on social media or message boards. And no matter how talented he is, you don't get 731 rushing yards two away from leading the nation without an offensive line helping with that. That's right. So um, we do want to put some shine on those guys. Uh, they've had some issues Hopefully those get worked out, but run blocking has not been one. That's right. I think I would uh, I would echo that and say you know there's a lot of um, a lot of chatter around offensive line play, but it mostly comes from pass blocking. It is mm-hmm. not at all very much to having to do with run blocking. So the where that chatter pops up is is merited a little bit, and we've talked about it. You know they're getting to our quarterbacks. Defenses are getting to our quarterbacks a little bit quicker. And, you know, we're having problems picking up blitz schemes and things like that. But as far as run run blocking goes, not an issue. Definitely mm-hmm. has not been an issue. Uh, if I mean, the only thing you would say where it is an issue is when you see runs called back on a holding call. And, and we right. saw that several times against Gardner-Webb. Yeah. So, Labron could have gone, you know, taking taken into consideration that 78-yard run does occur at the end of the game. Several 10, 8, 10-yard 10 runs were called back due to a hold. So, he could have gone over 200 yards, but you know that that just that's football. It comes along with it. I'm not taking up for the offensive line. I'm not saying it is what it is, but everybody holds from time to time. Runs get called back. This is not a Marshall exclusive thing, but as far as blocking goes, most of the time those guys are doing a fabulous job. All right, number four is the Big Green and Season Ticket Holder Appreciation Event. Uh, it was postponed earlier in the year, right before the season started. They're now going to have it. Uh, The new date is next Saturday, October the 15th, and it'll be at Heritage Station, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. So that kind of works out. You get a Wednesday home game, and then that frees up your Saturday to have an event like this. So uh, for folks that are in and around Huntington or a short drive looking for something to do that weekend, there you go. You've got the the big green and season ticket holder appreciation event right downtown on what would normally be a game day Saturday. Well don't really think that you're thinking about it, and it's probably because you live down in Tampa, but there's a little event happening that day, and it is uh, Chili Fest. Ooh, man, one of my favorites. So Chili Fest is going to be going on, and then right after that, any season ticket holders and big green members uh, that will be down there already for that can just walk right over. Man. I mean, you're right there from Chili Fest. I mean, it's... One street that you have to walk down. That's a so, lot of, there are a lot of events that go on in Huntington and Chili Fest has always been my favorite, man. And that, that along with not being able to go, you know, 20 blocks down the street and be at Jonesy Edwards Stadium. That is probably the thing that I miss the most is not being able to go to Chili Fest every year. So no, you're right. I was not thinking about that. 
uh, I don't want to bring that trauma back into my life. <laughs> I can't go to Chili Fest. <laughs> so uh, it's a therapeutic for me not to think about it. But man, that's a that's a double dipper. You get to go to Chili Fest and you got this uh, the big green uh, season ticket holder event right after that. Man. Well, so that day, I mean, you know, we we're going to get into more on around the herd. But that specific day is lining up to be a pretty special must be in Huntington type event. You've got Chili Fest that day. You've got uh, the first day of that weekend's softball fall ball. Oh, uh, yeah. Dang. And, and then you'll have this uh, event uh, from three to five. And then afterwards, we've got a soccer game for men's soccer. So, I mean, it's going to be like 8 a.m. to 10 p.m. You can be in Huntington and have stuff to do with Chili Fest and Marshall all day long. Yeah. Man, what a day. Man. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to, you know be tweeting out reminders about that leading up to that week. Uh, I, I think uh, Marshall Athletics ought to be tweeting out like the calendar for Saturday, whatever, you know, to tie it all together, just like, you know, you're talking about. But, man, it that's what it should be. Chili get Fest, that, big green that, event, soccer game. Yeah. Get that Marshall trolley going back and forth, Dang. man. Take, uh, take people down. Uh, you know, I would, I would definitely, especially if I didn't have to walk from Chili Fest to wherever it is, I'm going to have to park, drive mm -hmm. down and then, you know, find a way to come back and park again. Uh, I would definitely be interested in, uh, going to Chili Fest, get a quick ride through ride share or a trolley bus, whatever down to the stadium, uh, walk over to, uh, the softball field, watch a little bit of fall ball make my way back for a second round of chili fest. Yeah. Uh, maybe grab some lunch if that wasn't, you know, didn't get filled up on chili and then, uh, go to the, uh, the appreciation thing and then definitely try to hit soccer that night. Dang. They ought to be running that trolley loop from, uh, the vet all the way down to, uh, the civic arena, mm -hmm. uh, whatever the hell it's called now, Marshall health arena or mountain health arena. And, uh, with a stop at the softball field, that would be the thing to do. What a great idea. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Our final thing for the five things is that the 28th annual Greg Rousey Memorial Golf Tournament is uh, going to be at Guyane on October the 28th. And then that is obviously a big fundraiser for them. And the very next day, they're going to do a Friends of Marshall Baseball tailgate for the home game. So anyone that cannot make it or cannot golf, they are still encouraging you to make a donation. You can do that online. They had a link on it on the tweet and on Herd Zone. And then you uh, also have the opportunity to like sponsor a, uh, a whole flag or something. So different opportunities to help out. I'm sure that this will... Uh, be one of their bigger fundraising events it's the 28th annual so it's one that they've had quite a bit of success with i'm sure in years past so any golfers that want to do that baseball uh fans former players they're encouraging everybody to come out for that yeah that's so probably um not by accident that it's on homecoming weekend you mm -hmm. know so it's a good opportunity to have extra folks in town to take part in that. But that's still pretty cool. I mean, there's a lot of buzz around the baseball team right now. And, uh, you know, you got to capitalize on that. And if you've got a, an event that's been successful already for almost three decades, hopefully this is their biggest one ever, right? Because mm -hmm. of the extra excitement around uh, that program 
And hopefully they're a huge turnout for the tailgate the next day for those guys, um, giving them hopefully some more details and maybe some renderings and things that maybe we haven't or the general public hasn't seen about what this stadium may look like just to give them a little insight. That would be really cool. Uh, some stuff to some build some extra excitement internally with that program and, and alumni of that program. Uh, I'm, I'm really, really excited for the baseball team, man. They've just been sitting there doing their thing for so long, you know, without a, without a home. And here we are really close to making that happen for them. I'm just really, I'm just really, really happy for those guys. I'm really happy for coach Wags and, and, um, the guys that will be here still when that place gets completed, that will finally get to play in it. It's just such a cool thing, man. They've gone far too long without a home stadium. And, you know, we talked about it. We talk about it a lot and we're going to continue to talk about it. I'm sure. But the more you think about it, the more you just have to appreciate that it's that you, they just deserve it. And it's finally going to happen. You know, I, I, I don't remember ever that uh, our coaches or anyone, getting into the forefront and just coming out and blasting like, this is crap. This is bullshit. We got to go play in four different places. We don't have our own place. It never was that, you know, it was like, we'd really like to have a field, but you know, it, I'm glad they're just getting, I'm just glad they're getting it. Yeah. Well, that wraps us up for five things. Every herd fan needs to know this week as always brought to you by ignite link. I am jealous now after that five things that you brought chili fest up <laughs> that's that's the thing that has hurt my feelings the most that i'm going to miss out on I, I love the herd i love you know i want to be at all these events but damn i really miss chili fest man I well just, i i can't wait to send you a whole bunch of selfies of me <laughs> at chili <Fest> <laughs> so one thing i learned about that right you know they um I'm not about Chili Fest, but this is kind of like a regional type deal, okay? You know how at Chili Fest, somebody or several somebodies is always offering the chili in like the little mini bag of Fritos? Right. All right, what do you call that? I don't think that I call it anything. Well, I think most folks around here, they call it taco in a bag or something like that, right? And uh, in my endeavors with uh, my good friend and your friend, Stephen Moffat, Western Kentucky super fan. Shout out Moff. He's down here in Florida. I'm going to go visit him tomorrow. He's up there living the resort life on vacation. Uh, he told me that in their part of the country, they call that a walking taco. <laughs> That's like, I never heard of that before. I have seen that phrase recently. Uh, and there is, where was it? It was, uh, I think it was at Notre Dame. I think that they were, it was on the concourse and everything where they were talking about the lines were so daggone long. We got mm -hmm. water. So just so I didn't pass out, but uh, I'm fairly certain that they had walking tacos there. So <laughs> that's what they call it too, man. Yeah. And I thought that was just, it was weird. You know, I don't know why that sticks into my head, but taco in a bag in Huntington, walking taco, apparently everywhere else. So maybe we're the outliers. Anyway, anyway, you slice it. Let's get to uh, the featured segment of this episode which of course is the herd and gardner webb recap turned into be a 28 to 7 win for the herd pushing marshall to three and two on the season zero and one in the sunbelt conference of course marshall still holds serve at home two and zero on the season with a much tougher schedule heading 
down the home slate as the season continues. Look, it was a dreary day. There was drizzly rain. It wasn't in incredibly um, enjoyable as far as the atmosphere goes, but still wasn't nearly what I thought it was going to be, especially when we were talking a preview episode. It said the forecast was tropical storm conditions, and it wasn't that at all. It was like annoying storm conditions or annoying rain conditions. Sure didn't feel tropical. Yeah, well, I'm sure it didn't. Uh, but still, it even dried out more than I thought it was going to go into, at least from TV. You said it was a drizzly type rain for most, if not all, the game. But still, it wasn't a downpouring, messy, sloppy game like the weather had indicated it was going to be. But still, this game played out really like we thought it was going to. Both of us. None of us were high on points, really, in this game. We thought Marshall would score plenty enough to get the job done. This game would never really be in question. And they would just kind of be a run-of-the-mill victory. And that's kind of what it was. It was 28-7. to Offensively, it was a little ho-hum. The defense really brought it again and, you know, kind of shut down Gardner-Webb. Quite a bit. The The only real concern for us going into this game was would they be able to pass the ball on Marshall like they did against Coastal Carolina? And the answer was a resounding no. A resounding no. They had, I believe, 143 yards or something like that through the air, and mm -hmm. 54 of them came on one play, which was then punched out and became a fumble and a fumble recovery for the herd. So it was a non-consequential play. All it did was lose, you know, 50 yards of field position, which who cares? Uh, it didn't It didn't come back to bite the herd at all. They just kept points off the board for Gardner-Webb. Now, offensively for Marshall, it was not, I don't want to say ideal, right? Because Labron had 191 yards. Anytime you can get that, you'd love to see that. But everything else, eh, not really. Uh, five three and outs for the herd. Eight punts on the day against Gardner-Webb, that's not something you would expect to see. You know, we saw nine against Troy, and eight against Gardner-Webb is not cool. You know, you would really like to think that would be around five, maybe six, because uh, that tells me we didn't sustain drives enough to get into field goal range to at least take a shot at a field goal. You know, it was it was a lot of not moving the ball and having to punt. Uh, speaking of field goals, we took one, missed it. So that's a little bit of a special teams things I, I get, but it all equates to points on the board. So in my head, when I'm thinking about that kind of stuff, it's it leans towards offense, of course. Uh, for the second straight week, the defense did not allow an offensive touchdown, which is one heck of a type of a streak to be on. And uh, I really hope that continues continues through next Wednesday. Uh, I, I don't know what the record – Steve Cotton can probably tell us what the record is for games where Marshall didn't allow an offensive touchdown consecutively, but even though it's just two, that's no small feat. That's huge. Uh, Russ, before we get into the four indicators of this game, uh, you were there, of course. Let's talk about uh, the atmosphere and you know kind of what you saw with eyes on the field. Well, to start off with the atmosphere, there wasn't a lot of people in the stadium, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later when we're – doing grades and everything, but uh, right away, that was not good. You know, it was cold, it was damp, and the fans that were there, I'm looking from the chair backs, looking over at the uh, east sidelines, and there is, it didn't seem like there was a thousand people on that side. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sure there were more. It's just, you know, it, a lot of people looked like they went dressed as a bleacher, you know, and um it was one of those games where 
a lot of people didn't come back in the second half. Mm-hmm. They went for the first first half. So right away, the atmosphere on that was not good. Now, what the production team did was amazing. And I know that you couldn't see this being at home watching uh, on, on the broadcast, but at the stadium, the intro video was very good. Uh, they had this new thing that they're doing before the fourth quarter that uh, is a hype video. And then they uh, played Welcome to the Jungle, and the players were waving towels, jumping up and down. Really, really got everyone hyped up. So as far as, like, everything Marshall could have done, it was great. And for weather and or other reasons, we didn't have a lot of fans there. Tailgating, not a lot out there. Of course, you know, you're not going to have a lot of fans inside. Definitely don't figure that there's going to be a lot outside. But, uh we were there tailgating and uh, we had a decent little turnout for our uh, Thundercast live. A lot of those were off camera. So viewers wouldn't have been, been able to see them, but atmosphere for that man was just like, you know me, I'm going to go, I'm going to tailgate. I'm going to sit there for as long as I can. I can only remember a handful of games that I had to go home because I was too cold or wet or something because I was getting sick or, or whatever, but uh, I stayed the whole game, and I enjoyed it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same way. I mean, I'll set, and I have set, and will would continue to set through driving rain and blistering winds and snow and everything else because it that to me is um it's something I get to do, right? It's not something I have to do. It's something I get to do, and that's the way I approach Marshall game days, man. I, I look forward to them so much that I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dump on anybody for not wanting to go and sit in cold weather and rain. That's fine. You don't want to go. That's fine. But I look yeah. at it as an opportunity for me to do something. And, and I don't, if, if, if there's any reason that I can go, I want to, I want to execute that reason. I want to go, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it drives that more, it drives that home more now that I don't get to go all the time. You know, I, I don't get to just hop in, in the car and draw, drive across uh, town and be there in five minutes. So that that's always a bummer, but uh, you know, fans can go if they want to go. I, I, we will always encourage people to go. You know, mm-hmm. we have tickets and give them away for that very reason. We're trying to get more butts in the seats. So, uh, but at the same time, if you don't if you don't feel like it's for you, okay, you know that's cool. Uh, if the if the west lots aren't full, okay, that's fine. Thundercast is going to be full as we can get it so you know if you're looking for a tailgate if you're wondering if it's a home game if we're gonna be out there we're gonna be out there so swing by join our tailgate come to our party have a good time with us come and talk to the herd come and uh, meet some of our friends come and hang and 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 uh, have a good time right you'll be welcome and that goes for opposing fans too we've said that over and over and over it's a fan friendly tailgate so louisiana fans that may be listening to this because we have you guys coming up uh, you'll be welcome at the Thundercast tailgate. And in fact, we hope you stop by. You know, I hope you get the opportunity to go over there and meet Russ and meet some of our other buddies. And of course, I'll be right here in Tampa, Florida because, well, it's a Wednesday night and I can't just jet set to Huntington and back in the middle of a work week. But it is what it is. You know, uh, hopefully the weather improves before it starts getting blisteringly cold and we can squeeze a little bit more in there. And I, and I, and I know that regardless, like when App State comes to town, It's going to be cold. It's going to be November. And there will still be people at that game because it's App State. And that's where it gets bothersome to me. 
right? You'll you'll go out and see App State in Huntington when it's cold, but you not won't necessarily go see the herd at home in hmm, better weather with just a slightly little bit of rain. It's not like you're going to get soaked sitting there. You know, it's just a little bit of an annoyance. So, you know, if you're going to go to see App State, then go to see Marshall play uh, Gardner-Webb. Let's talk about the indicators for this game. Total yards, time of possession, first downs, turnovers, all swept by the herd, which leads to the result that you would expect when you sweep those indicators. Total yards, Marshall dominated. 421 total yards to 143 for Gardner-Webb. Time of possession, Marshall dominated. Nearly two minutes to one in that uh, category 38 minutes 26 seconds for the herd 21 34 for gardner webb three to one uh, ratio in first downs 21 for the herd to just seven for gardner webb four to one ratio in turnovers marshall picks up four turnovers while only allowing one the caveat there is marshall's lone turnover put points on the board for gardner webb as a pick six uh individual statistics uh, Henry Columbia, 13 of 20 for 138 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, of course, went for the pick six. He was sacked two times and uh, injured in the second quarter and did not return. Now, in the postgame, uh, somebody asked if if it was a severe injury, and, and Huff kind of said, no, he wanted to go back in the game, and we just thought, well, there's no need for you to go back in the game, so you know, we'll just take the rest of this one off, which is what we kind of thought it was like a precautionary thing. There's no need to take a chance. Why go back in there and just, just set it out. Everything's cool. So we'll see how that goes moving forward. Cam Fancher comes in roughly two and a half quarters of play, eight of 13 for 47 yards, just 3.6 yards uh, per completion. Another five rushes for 29 yards with a long of 18. Kalen Laburn is obviously the star of the show this week. 35 carries, which I looked up in real time, was tied for seventh all-time in single-game carries in herd history. 191 yards, two touchdowns with a long of 78, and of course we've said it several times, now ranks number two in the country in rushing yards, just two yards from being tied from first place. Uh, Charles Montgomery is your leader from a yardage standpoint for the herd. Five catches for 72 yards with a long of 33. Corey Gamage, your leader in the clubhouse from a receptions standpoint with six catches for 54 yards and a touchdown. And A.J. Turner gets one catch for 24 yards, which also went for a touchdown. Marshall's ratio, offensive play-calling ratio, 53 rushing attempts versus 33 passing attempts. I think there is a definite pattern here forming with what we know what works right now. (laughs) Not only that, but we commented before the game on Thundercast Live that that was probably going to happen in this weather uh, today. Uh, We predicted there wouldn't be a lot of downfield passing Mm -hmm. from either team. Uh, It was kind of that way. You know, 15 yards was about the most as targeting people, not in yards after catch. And we said that the running backs would probably take a big load today for – being uh being so wet out yeah. on the field. Yeah, so it just proves that we were right in our line of thinking, but still these these numbers are creeping up around 50-ish rush carries per game anyway. So it, you know, these guys are really keying into the fact that's what's working and it's and um it's I think it's like all right, well we're going to feed Labern until you stop him. You know, and nobody's really been able to stop him completely. Nobody. He's gone over 100 yards and every game and well over a hundred yards in the last four, you know, and he only played the first half in the opener. Mm-hmm. So uh, nine of 21 on third down for this herd offense. Uh, but 
again, I'm going to throw this out here with the offensive line or not offensive line position, but the offensive stat line, fully knowing that not all of these are accounted for by the offense. 10 penalties for 96 yards worth of penalty yards. Now, quite a few of those did come from the offense and they did hurt plays, which we talked about. Several large runs or medium-ish large runs were called back for holding penalties on Kalen Labor. So, um, not a blow-you-away day through the air, again, which is now starting to be concerning. The schedule's going to get harder. You know, we thought maybe we'd see a little bit more of that uh, against Gardner-Webb. We knew the weather was going to affect that a little bit. But still, you know, uh, I don't know if I look at my quarterback stat line and go, well, you know, he only had 138 yards, but he had two touchdowns. That that kind of cancels out to me. I'll take the touchdowns over the yards. We sat here preseason going, well, we're getting a lot of yards last year and we ain't finding the end zone. Well, this is kind of the opposite of that. So what do you want? Do you want exciting football and less points or do you want hmm, steady, slow, you know, move it down the field yardage with touchdowns? I'll take the touchdowns. Points win the games, not yards, right? Uh, defensively, Abraham Boplan is your guy, leading tackler on the day. Six tackles, three solo, one tackle for loss, and one quarterback hurry. Uh, Kobe Cumberlander, four tackles, half a tackle for loss, and four, four quarterback hurries. Owen Porter, best all-around day, three tackles, two solo, two sacks, two tackles for loss. Um, now ranking him number six in the Sunbelt Conference in sacks. And Marshall tweeted out that cool tweet. I'll get, I know you got something probably to say offensively. Let me get this out here and then I'll get you that. Uh, Marshall tweeted out that cool tweet about what uh, Owen has done this year, saying he's like the only guy in the country that had, God, let me find it. It was a, a whole myriad of stuff. Uh, only only player in the season, uh, only player in the country this season with three sacks, one interception, one fumble recovery, and a defensive touchdown. So Owen Porter getting it done all over the place. Uh, what were you gonna say? Yeah, so I just wanted to comment on the uh, third downs. I know that we had eight punts, but we went nine for twenty-one. Um, that's not bad, you know, especially considering all of the uh the weather and that sort of thing. We had some penalties that put us in some very bad third and long positions, you know, so nine and 21 or nine of 21, I think would have looked a little bit better without some of those hold calls and false starts and things like that, that put us in the hole to begin with. Um, could have been, could have been a little bit better. I, yeah. I mean, not every third down is a third and two that you just don't pick up, you know? I mean, obviously there's third and 15s at times, and there's just not a lot of plays in the playbook for that. But still, I, th I think the bothersome thing to me about eight punts is that it's eight punts against Gardner-Webb. You know, that's what it is. It's that we weren't capitalizing on enough plays to get down, like I said, to be able to try to kick a field goal or at mm -hmm. least put yourself in maybe that little no-man's land there to where it's like fourth and two, and you're like, well, if we punt, what are we going to gain, 10 yards? We might as well go for it. So it – that's all, you know, I'm, I can be nitpicky there, but it's just like, man, eight punts at Gardner-Webb just doesn't seem like that should be a thing. It just, you know, especially considering how well you run the ball. I mean, I know there are things that go on and penalties and holding, but it's just one of those things. It's like, huh, I would have expected that to be lower. Kind of surprising. Anyway, yeah. final note on the um, defense is impact plays, impact plays. Gilmore, of course, has two interceptions uh, on the day with nine in his career, now ranking him number 15 in herd history. The third interception on the day goes to Joshua Bowers. And of sacks, of course, three of them on the day, two by uh, Owen Porter and then one by Jabarica Hopkins. 
and a fumble recovery on that uh, long play, that 54-yard pass that got punched out by, I think it was Bo Plan. It was Bo Plan. Uh, Micah recovery. Abraham, uh, Micah yeah. Abraham got the fumble recovery. Yeah, recovery out. by Micah Abraham. Reese Verhoff was zero of one missed his lone field goal attempt on the day. Four of four on extra points. That's now two games in a row that Reese has missed his field goal attempt. Um, you know, take that for what it's worth. Who knows? Yeah, but John McConnell eight punts on the day, forty-one yard average, two inside the twenty with a long of 54, and I went back and looked, and we had several where we were pinned back deep, and it was just going to be impossible for him to get it inside the 20. But mm-hmm. on the two that did go inside the 20, they both actually went inside the 10. One landed mm-hmm. at the 8, and the other was down at the 1. So mm-hmm. another fabulous job by John McConnell. Let's revisit Katie's keys to victory to see if the herd checked all the boxes in this one, and then we'll move on to grades. Number one, Russ, both of us actually said that ball security was the most important thing, and the herd achieved that for sure. I think there might have been a, a fumble. I think maybe uh, the ball got knocked out of Columbia's hands once that we recovered. I don't. We didn't lose any fumbles, I'll put it that way. But as far as ball security from our running backs and from our wide receivers making plays, all counted for. Nothing hit the ground that uh, would have – forced or caused a turnover for the herd. Number two, I said the herd had to run the ball, and boy, oh boy, did they do that. Kalen LeBourne did that in a huge way, almost hitting that two-bill plateau. Number three, I said the herd needed to do the dirty work, and they did that. They blocked well. uh, They played fierce defense. They weren't afraid to get in there and just be wet and miserable, and they proved that they were the superior team in these uh, nasty-ish type conditions. Non-ideal. They weren't nasty, but non-ideal conditions. Number four, I said they needed to find reasons why. Find reasons why they were the team that was going to come out victorious, and they did that. They 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 um, proved that this Gardner-Webb offense was not going to be able to pass on them. They proved that they were not going to be able to run on them. 19 carries on uh, 19 yards on 19 carries for this Gardner-Webb offense. Uh, it, it's just they found all the reasons why. You know, they they could have found excuses of why this game could have been closer and why people would have been going, man, what is going on? It's 24 to 21. I mean, what, what, but it, none of that, this defense didn't allow a touchdown. Uh, the offense for the most part, you know, ha- it was, it was outside of labor and of kind of a ho-hum deal. You know, there wasn't a lot of flashy plays. Of course, the weather lends to that a little bit, but you know, at this point we as fans are kind of looking for flashes in the passing game. Like, we want to see it. we got to see something, some kind of a pulse and some kind of life. And there weren't a lot, uh, but I do particularly remember when Cam came into the game and threw an absolute laser beam to convert a third down, which I believe ended up being a touchdown drive. Uh, That third and 10 conversion to, I think, Montgomery was a gorgeous pass. And then that's what we need to see. That's what herd fans, I believe, want to see is that zip and that zing. And, the, you know, the shorthanded catch and making a few moves and, and converting that third and 10. So, but moving forward, it's over. The, the dress rehearsals are over. Either the pass game works now or Marshall has to figure it out on the fly. And I don't want to be figuring it out on the fly. So let's say that the herd checks all four boxes and gets the victory against um, Gardner-Webb. Grades time, Russ. What do you got as we um, look back on this game for the offense? I think the offense is uh, going to get a B. You wanted to see the uh, passing yards to be a lot better. Uh, but 
I'm not going down to a C because of the weather conditions. And I know that it didn't rain near like what we thought that it was going to, but it was still wet. And we, for the most part, kept the ball out of the opponent's hands. You know, we controlled the clock with 38 minutes. We uh, only had the one turnover. Granted, it was a uh, pick six, but I'm not giving them a C because we ran for 236 yards. We controlled the ball for 38 minutes. We scored four touchdowns on what most of us thought that might be the ceiling uh, with the weather, you Mm -hmm. know, Uh, so I'm going with a B overall. Yeah, and that's fair, man. It's not like I can get mad for them doing exactly what I thought they were going to do. Right. That's exactly what I thought was going to happen. I, I I don't remember. Uh, I'd have to go back and look real quick, but uh, I said it would, I said it would be thirty-one to twenty-one in an ugly one. You thought it was going to be twenty-four to thirteen, so we were right there. But pre-game, you switched because of the weather and everything. You went with twenty-eight to fourteen. Oh yeah, there you go. So you have yeah. a better memory than I do. Yeah. So no, that's fair. It's fair. It is uh, quarterback play. What do you got for both guys? I'm going to go with a uh, a C, just a pretty pedestrian. Uh, that's actually what I was figuring was going to happen, unless it was, um, you know, one of the things that was more like the Norfolk State 24 out of 26 completions. I knew that we weren't going to be trying to throw downfield. Um, the pick six luckily did not come to bite us, but things like that will in other games, especially for the rest of the schedule. We've got to do better with that, but I don't think it was bad enough to go with a D. I think I think C on that. Yeah, I mean, it's very average. You go back and you look at the numbers. Uh, Columbia has 13 completions for 138 yards. It's a little over 10 yards of completion, so that's pretty good. I mean, that's, that every time you're completing a pass, it's going for a first down by the averages. Uh, but I think it's the lack of exciting rousing plays that's what people are sitting on you know I, I think people are growing tired of just seeing the quick pass and catch and run thing they want to see the field stretched a little bit more and that's selfish selfishness from a fan because it doesn't matter if it equates to a win if what we're doing equates to wins nobody nobody really cares it's just what they want to see at that point they mm-hmm. want to be entertained but uh, I don't think anybody would trade being entertained for losing the game and, and right. you know, that's, that's just kind of, you not always going to be able to have your cake and eat it too, so to speak. And that, that's what this passing game is right now. They're doing what they need to win. Now, the concerning factor to me is this is the second game in a row to where uh starting quarterback has allowed points, particularly he has allowed points to the defense scoop and score, you know, uh, against Troy and now a pick six against Gardner Webb. That's a dangerous trend that just simply cannot continue because good teams like Louisiana, App State, Coastal, the Georgia squads, the Virginia squads up there are going to take advantage of that, and and you can't gift them points, right? You just can't do that. So that's a trend that just flat has to end. No, no bones about it, you know. Um, again, we can say these things, um, and it's not a knock on the individual player. It's what's happening. It's a result of the of the play. We just can't have that. I think we will see those plays get cleaned up and, and stop you know, quote unquote, gifting defenses points because it just simply can't continue, you know, and we all know that players know that coaches know that it's just what's happening right now. So C's fair grade. Neither guy blew you away through the air. They got enough to get it done. Uh, Columbia still gets two touchdowns 
you know, you take away the pick six, which in a perfect world and every week we say, well, you take that away and it looks a lot better. But again, if, if you, if that one play doesn't occur, the stat line is a lot more, you know, enjoyable to see. One more if, thing that I have to say about the, before we go to the defense, is, yeah. uh, the yards after the catch by our wide receivers and uh, the running back, uh, Anthony Turner, really, really, really added to both of the touchdowns were by those guys not thrown into the end zone. It was thrown and then they made their way into the end zone. Yeah. Um, and several of the other because uh, they were shorter passes, you know, a lot of these yards were after the catch versus before the catch. Yeah, I mean, the the Turner one specifically was basically a lateral pass. It was at the line of scrimmage, essentially, yeah. and he's the one that goes 24 yards for the touchdown. I don't remember how long of a pass it was to Corey Gamage, but he took, I remember tweeting that it looked like he got hit about 10 times before he bullied his way into the end zone. But that's an awesome play by him. I, I don't want to gloss over that because uh, now when you talk about that and remembering how awesome it was, that was, that was a big-time play. That was a big-boy play. He was not going to – be denied the end zone. So what do you got for the defense this week? Defense, uh, A+. plus. They took care of business. They didn't allow a single point. They uh, shut down T.J. Luther, the wide receiver that we had talked about going in that was a weapon. Uh, this team, under different circumstances weather-wise, but this team threw for 448 yards against Coastal Carolina and they threw for 143, or no, 124 against us. They had 143 total yards. Yeah. Uh, we were in the backfield all day long. Uh, I think I told you on the spaces we had uh, going into just under five minutes left in the game, they had negative six rushing yards. Mm -hmm. So they ended up with 19 uh, when all was said and done. Uh, kind of picked some up there at the end of the, I think one run was maybe 24 yards and that put them right there. But uh, we just showed up, showed out individuals, uh, the interceptions, the, the huge thing by bow plan running down. I mean, at, at that point I went back and watched uh, most of the game to get to watch all of it. But uh, I like to do that when I'm at a live game, I like to go back and watch uh see some things from, you know, close-ups and zooms and replays, that sort of thing. And uh, that was the tight end lined up at center, and they were in the old swinging gate formation from decades ago. And they basically used the center, which was the tight end, as uh, what offensive linemen do on uh, – uh, screen passes, you know, kind of like acted like he was blocking a little bit and then let them easily get by. We had three defenders lined up right on him and they just lobbed it up in the air over his head. It looked like a, like I said, a Jeff Blake moon bomb, only it was not down the field all that far. He was a good 10 to 15 yards in front of everyone. And Bo plan with the motor just kept running, kept running and almost cartoonishly used his left, fist in a big sweeping put that right on the ball knew exactly what he was doing abraham's right there to pick it up and i think because it was so close to the end zone he decided to just fall on it but there was no one else down there he might have been able to return that for quite a bit but again gilmore two uh two interceptions uh we had 
guys shutting down the receivers. We were in the backfield. What more could you ask for? I mean, they shut this team down and they shut them out. Yeah, they're they're playing unbelievably good team defense right now. And it's not like one or two guys are just showing out. Like every week it's Gilmore, it's Abraham, it's Sam and Bo playing. It's guys on the defensive line, Porter and Gibson. And Coberlander, four quarterback hurries today. That tells you he was in the backfield a lot. Eli Neal, I mean, every guy is doing their job and then some. I mean, these guys are just smothering and swarming, and they're starting to come down with those balls again. You know, we went a week without a, a big turnover ratio, and and then this week they come out and they get four, you know, the, and three interceptions. That's a big day, you know, big, big day. Uh, as, a, as a matter of fact, the herd's ranking pretty high in several national – or several defensive co- categories nationally. Uh, currently, before this Louisiana game, Marshall is uh, ranking ranks fifth in rush defense nationally, fifth in third down defense nationally, sixth in defensive touchdowns, eighth in interceptions, ninth in turnovers, 17 in total defense, 21 in scoring defense, and number 22 in red zone defense. So however many of those, I just ripped off all of those top 25 categories for the herd and several top 10 and even more top fives. So those are some very good stats. I saw those as well. And I also did a deep dive on stats. And uh, even though right now we're talking about the defense combined with Laburn and his stats where he's at, it shows you how dominant this team is close to being. And I looked up a couple of places where we're not doing so well. And I want to throw these three out here. Out of 131 teams, we're ranked 122nd for tackles for loss given up. We've given up 40, 27 of them solo. That's eight a game for a total of 170 yards lost. That's changing field position. That's preventing first downs. That's doing a lot, installing this offense. We are ranked tied for 125th out of 131 for sacks. Uh, We've given up 19 for 3.8 sacks per game, and that is 123 yards lost. Now, obviously, those also count for tackles for loss, so you can't just combine those two and say we've given up over 400 yards or close to 400 And finally, we're ranked 120th out of 131 for yards per completion at 9.96. So it tells you that the QB play and the offensive line, which are coupled together, is not getting everything done that our run blocking is getting done and our defense is getting done. Those are just the only two areas. Now, You could say if the offensive pass blocking gets better, then the quarterback yards per completion would get up because he would have more time to throw, let plays develop, that sort of thing. You could also say that at times what we've seen, Columbia has led to some of these sacks because he has rolled out of the pocket. uh, And that's kind of his style, you know, is to move around, uh, do this sort of thing, roll out. So I think it's kind of just a combination. I don't know moving forward if we'll see a trend to stay this way or if it will improve drastically, but it's not going to take much to improve 
going from 122, 120, and 125. I mean, you know, you can't get much worse. Well, no, you can't get much worse, but these stats, I believe, are driving home the fact of what most fans are seeing as they watch the game. We just can't effectively pass the ball, and whether it's we can't get the ball out in time or we don't have time, whatever you see, it's just driving that home. Our, Our pass protection is subpar. I would think is a fair term to say it's subpar. Mm-hmm. Those stats say that, you know, you can't be <laughs> bottom 10% in the country and tell me that it's not subpar. It yeah. is. So there's, there's several areas that need improvement and most, if not all of them revolve around the passing game, mm-hmm. right? They They just do. You need to be able to have a little bit of time to let your routes develop, develop. You need to have, a little bit of time to get those passes off. And then once you have that, you also have, you have to have the ability to make the right reads and then make an accurate pass. Mm-hmm. So it, it, there's a lot that goes into it. Yes, there is. But, you know, there's 120 some odd teams in the country that are doing it better than we are. So it's mm-hmm. not like you're reinventing the wheel. You just have to be better. You know, that's just all there is to it. You can't live and die as much as we think it's going to be exciting to potentially have labored and Ali in the same backfield. That cannot be the only weapon that you have in your repertoire. It just can't. And we are still, I looked this up too, uh, for penalties because it just seems like we're doing worse uh, than we actually are. But we did so well early in the season that we are now just trending back toward the middle of the pack. We're still, we're still above that. But the last two games have just been a lot of penalties, a lot of yards. Uh, So it's, it's just, uh, some of those are coming from the offensive line on false starts and holds. So there's uh, that is almost more concerning to me than giving up the sacks. Uh, sacks are a lot of lost yards and potential that you uh, get a scoop and a score, like what happened at Troy. But, uh, you know, it, it, there's no better way to stall a good drive than to get several penalties and have to go down the field 122 yards when you only need to go down for 60. Yeah. Holding penalties are killer because Mm -hmm. if all we can do is effectively run right now, you're killing yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. you can't, you just can't do that. So, uh, the, you know, at this point, I don't know what, what we do. We just, you just can't continue to say, well, if this goes right, if that goes right, it's just gotta go right. You just gotta be better. That's it. You just gotta get better. At some point you gotta just be better. You know, and I think we're entering that realm. <laughs> Louisiana looms, App State looms, Coastal, Georgia State, Southern, Old Dominion, and uh, uh, James Madison all loom. You just got to get better. Uh, special teams, what do you got for the special teams guys this week? Well, I'm going to go with a uh, with a an A-. minus, And uh, if Reese Verhoff makes that field goal, it just slightly went left to the upright you know, it would have been an A plus and all of that was on the leg of John McConnell and the coverage and also how we protected our guys. Uh, I thought Talik Keaton was going to break one, which was going to make uh, Chuck McGill's prediction uh, awful scary how close he was to being correct, uh, you know, on Thundercast Live. Um, he he was very close on a lot of other things. And he said, you know, I, I kind of think that we're going to block a punt today. We've been close. Uh, we didn't get one. And uh, we had to leak Keaton looked like he was going to bust one there, but still, still a decent run in return. So uh, a minus. Yeah. Not, not bad. Uh, you know, of course I don't want to see our 
kickers missing field goals, but I'd rather you miss them now and learn how to make that kick in a more clutch situation. Because Gardner Webb was didn't matter. You know, you yeah. had a three touchdown lead. It didn't matter. But in a game where you have a three point lead or are down by three and you need that kick, well, I'd rather you hit it then. So, yeah. you know, learn learn how to hit that angle now, learn what the field feels like now, whatever the case may be, just iron out those kinks now in the games that don't matter so that you can't hit them when they do. But John McConnell, every this is going to turn into like a John McConnell fan account, you know, fan <laughs> podcast because he just continues to impress every week. He's coming to work every week and doing a fabulous job every single week and as far as our kick return and punt return games go damn it just feels like this volcano that is just building below the surface it is just bound to explode and i'll be glad look i'm, I'm kind of glad that it didn't explode during gardner webb because that means maybe it will bust loose against louisiana or app state or somebody that we really went in a clutch moment when we need like we saw against uh app state last year ollie took one to the house we needed that and you know that was a moment that that Spark the herd in a big way. So I'd rather see it against those teams, you know, because these those games are going to count more. How about the coaching staff this week? What do you got? I, I I'd say a B plus. I don't know that they did anything um bad at all. I can't think of any anything. I know I saw several fans uh <laughs> in my section. Someone would stand up and say, run the ball, which we were, you know, <laughs> 50, 53 times. And then someone else stood up and looked up toward the press box and said, pass the ball, you know, so <laughs> obviously you cannot, you know, you can't cater. You can't to, please all the people all the time. And last night, all those people were at our game. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a good Mitch Hedberg quote to sum it up, I guess. Uh, but you you can't cater. Obviously, our fans are not offensive coordinators elsewhere. They would be somewhere doing just that, you know. Yeah. And uh, people get frustrated. Uh, people want what they want. But yep. when you when you have one person yelling run the ball and one person yelling pass, well, we had to do one of those two uh, on that play. So I just – I don't know. I, I thought that – they did exactly what we felt that we would need to do, which would be shorter passes, control mm -hmm. the, the ball. Um, I think we did just that. We we executed our game plan. So yep. B plus, it was just nothing special to get them an A. That's right. It was no, it was a run of the mill win. Yep. Which is what we had been preaching all week long, which is what we thought we were going to see. And that's exactly what we saw. I want what I want too. I want a million yards passing and a thousand yards rushing and you know, 100 points every game. I'm not going to get it, but that's what I want. Mm -hmm. But I'm happy with the 28-7 to 7 victory every week. I'll take that, too. Uh, fans, you know, grade it however you feel, however you see it. What do you got for the fan base this week? So I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to uh, to say um, a C because the fans that did show up went through and sat through that weather and everything. There are a lot of people in the, in the suites. There are a lot of people in the – uh, big green room, you know, staying out of the weather and, and all that. There were not a ton of people out in the parking lot that did not go into the game. So those that, that came went. Those that didn't bring the grade down. And I don't care if somebody ats me on Twitter and tells me I'm some kind of super fan because, you know, I said they didn't go to the game. It's not about that collectively we had a bunch of people that didn't go 
And it almost seems like people, some, not all, are proud of that and wear it as a badge of honor to say, well, I'm not going to go because that's the second FCS team, or I'm not going to go because they've been playing boring football and they lost two games they should have won. I'm not going to get down on people, but you're not proving anything. You're just kind of hurting the atmosphere and you're missing out on watching the team that you supposedly love. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm going to go. Uh, it's up to everybody else if they do or not. But if we would have had more people there, I think that they would have seen a very good improvement on the game day atmosphere as far as Marshall was concerned. They put on a heck of a production. Like I said, uh, they were doing... Uh, they were trying to get the We Are Marshall every time that uh, the the young lady, I cannot remember if it's Eva or Ava, so I, I apologize, but the on-field uh, person that is doing the different promotions down there, at the end, she would, uh, if it was a fan on the field, by the way, Ryan Wolf was uh, there on the field being on. Hey, cool. Yeah, uh, but they would they would always say, can I get a, we are, and they'd say we are, and then, you know, get the crowd to try to chant Marshall. So they were, they were doing everything they could. We just needed more fans there. So I have to go a C. Yeah. I wish, I wish that I had the luxury of being able to choose not to go to the game. Mm -hmm. So for everybody that has that luxury, that's, that's nice, you know, because, um, I don't have that choice. So for every person that gets to, you know, make the conscious choice to stay at home, there are several fans that wish they could just go. So uh, that, that sucks, man. I I wish more folks, you know, found, wanted to find a reason to go rather than, well, it's a little cold. It's a little wet. It's a FCS opponent. I don't care, man. You know, I'm not a super fan either. I just enjoy watching the herd play. I enjoy walking into Jonesy Edwards stadium. I enjoy, you know, being in that parking lot. This is just cool, man. It's like therapeutic. It's soul cleansing. It's it's like, it feels good. It's like a release from the grind of everyday life and, and work and, you know, all that stuff. You just get to go and be like a fan and enjoy something. And, and seeing Kelly green and white never gets old to me. I, you know, that's why <laughs> my, uh, Drawers are full <laughs> of Marshall shirts because I wear green and white about every single day. When we do laundry, we have uh, enough for one full load of nothing but Marshall gear. You know, if we yeah. uh, five of us and going to a game and then going to something throughout the week, I mean, we could just pile it up in one load of nothing but Marshall Kelly green. Yeah, so it, it, it's things like that that I just I miss, and I wish that I could be there more consistently. So, I, you know, again, pe- fans are allowed to be as the type of fans they want to be. It's not for me to be the freaking fan police. It's mm-hmm. just it, it's disheartening for me knowing that I want to be there and I can't be, and there are people that can be and choose not to be. That's all. Yeah. Uh, MVP offensive MVP of the week. Any doubt, Caitlin Labron. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'd I'd say getting uh, you know, close to forty five percent of our total yards. Was... <laughs> yeah, without a doubt, Kalen Labor. Now, defensive MVP might be a little bit of a toss up. It we really... may have we may have different guys here. Who do you have? Well, I would like to cheat and take. Uh... Yeah, I would like to. I didn't say I was gonna. 
don't don't boo me. I will fly down to Tampa and have a hearty discourse <laughs> with you. Um, I'm taking Owen Porter, and uh, I I want to cheat and and give Gilmore his props. Yeah, but I also want to cheat and say as an absolute team unit, those guys were just mm-hmm. getting it done. Mm-hmm. And on that uh, Hopkins sack. You know, uh, I missed it, and I have to go back and see if they caught it on the on the game or the replay. But I think that he did the Owen Porter, or he did some kind of celebration, because after I missed what that celebration was, the defensive team just mobbed him coming off the field, <laughs> and they it for like the in between where the downs and everything as they went for the punt and all that, they were just a, he was sitting on the bleacher, and they were just you know, everybody coming up to him and Owen came over and was doing his, uh, you know, little, uh, special six celebration. And, uh, and so I don't know if he did Owens, but they, I mean, they just went crazy for it, but Owen, <laughs> Owen gets it because we said this in the, in the preseason, my only concern was that how passionate he is, you know, he has had a couple of times where he got ejected or something like that because he took up for a teammate, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And I said, I hope that doesn't happen at a, a bad time. But he is the, to me, quarterback on the defensive side of the ball, the emotional burst, the person that on that drives this defense. He might not have the stats that someone else has, and a lot of times you don't get that from the defensive line. You know, you, your stats just aren't going to be that eye-popping. Uh, but his are still. You yeah. know, like like you said, the only player in college football that had those specific things. Um, he put on a really good performance, and it just feels like everyone feeds off of him. I think so too, man. Um, it's hard for me to dismiss a two-interception performance because those just don't happen very often, at least for herd players. And uh, Stephen Gilmore has quietly turned his uh, career up a couple of notches here mm-hmm. in this season. We thought that may happen. You know, we we knew he was a really good corner, and uh, the the tandem between he and Abraham have just proven to be formidable through five games. And they they are both tied for second, by the way, in interceptions on the yeah. year nationally so you want to see what that continues moving forward because we're going to start seeing crops of more talented deeper wide receiver cores right Mm -hmm. but i still like the way these guys match up with most people you know i'm I'm not going to say i've deep dove into everybody every opponent's roster but i don't care our guys have proven they can go toe-to-toe with anybody that being said my defensive mvp also is owen porter uh, because he's just he had the best all around game, you know. Gilmore has the impact plays, uh, but Porter just continues to be the type of weapon that you need at the first line of defense on the defensive line. Yeah, he's got plenty of help also, but man, he is just everything that you like. He is so he's just a throwback, right? I mean, everything about him is a throw, even down to the the tucked under jersey with the exposed belly. That that's like very like early 90s looks. You mm-hmm. know, that's that's it's just a throwback to a little bit more of a hard-nosed era of football to where uh, you know, 
targeting wasn't as easily called or those iffy roughing calls weren't as easily called. You know what I mean? It was like mm -hmm. a little bit more of a harsh game and he looks that part and he plays like that. Uh, he's done a fabulous job this year of harnessing that extra energy into playing up to the end of the whistle. You know, I always liked about him that he played through the whistle and I still continue to like that. But so far this season, he hasn't put himself in a position to get that late hit or that, you know, that bad penalty. And I think that's great, man. It's, it's showing an evolution of the game. It's showing that you can be just as aggressive and just as fierce without uh, doing something to take you out of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's, I just, I love it. And it, it, all things being equal, all things being equal, the six shooter celebration is going to put him over the top for me anyway. I just can't get enough of that. I think it's the coolest thing in the world. Who is your uh, special teams MVP this week? Uh, you know, I thought I would uh, get a little crazy and go with John McConnell. <laughs> to get a little crazy. And uh... <laughs> yeah, Mr. Consistency on the special teams uh, doing a great job. I mean, what else can you say? Russ, you got any final thoughts on Gardner-Webb before we get out of here with this segment? No, I really don't. It's uh, it's one of those games that uh, I really wish would have been more exciting, but it was great to get back on the winning side. It was great to finally be back home after four weeks of not being able to go to a game. And uh, now it's time to move on. we got a little bit of extra break before we welcome Louisiana into town. Yeah, it's this is one of those things that was just felt like about getting back to what you needed to get back to. You know, you needed to get a win. You needed to get back home. You needed to, you know, get in the friendly confines of familiarity of the home schedule and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, points don't really matter in this one to me. I mean, 21 points is still a convincing victory. It's never in doubt. Uh, it, it could have been better. It could have been worse. But at the end of the day, you got you notched a win. You got now a winning record. You're not a 500 ball club heading into the meat and potatoes of your of your conference schedule. So, what more could you want? You know, you you've got some improvements that you've got to make. We know that. We know the pass blocking has to go up a couple notches. The passing production has to go up a couple notches. And I think everybody's fine with that. I mean, you you might not be fine with where it's at, but you're fine with knowing that. We all know it, and we just need to see where it goes from here. So good win. Let's look forward to Louisiana here a week from today and see how the Sunbelt era treats us after one that we – I still feel like we let slip away, even though that game went down the way it went down. I still feel like we let that game at Troy slip away mm -hmm. just, just for being ineffective, so ineffective. So let's see what the conference slate holds for us as Louisiana comes to town and what will be a fair amount of a revenge-type game from the New Orleans Bowl a year ago. Russ, let's take this bad cat around the herd and get out of here. All right, we're going to start off with men's soccer. They had a tie with Coastal, 0-0. Zero to zero. And in that game, we were beyond aggressive. We dominated every aspect of the game. We just did not get that score to find the back of the net. And that dropped us. We were three in the nation, and it dropped us down to six. However, uh, last night we came back. We beat Robert Morris at home, three to one. And this Saturday we will be at South Carolina. Yeah, I was I was able to watch a, f a little bit of that game at Coastal. Uh, I got freed up and and able to watch maybe like the last fifteen minutes of that game. And 
Marshall was uh, constantly trying to attack. They just could not get something through. Mm -hmm. And to listen to those coastal announcers during that game, you would have thought that uh, this was like, I don't, I don't know that they had achieved something massively important by tying Marshall, you know, they, mm -hmm. and Coastal's a pretty decent soccer team. You know, yeah. they, they talked about how, how pretty decent they are and how good they are. It's not like a bottom feeding team or anything like they're a good team, but it seemed like this was a huge confidence builder in this coastal team to be able to tie Marshall. So, uh, it doesn't always go your way, you know, and then I watched a little bit of the Robert Morris game last night, and I, I guess I turned it on at the right time because it was, I think it was one to nothing when I started watching it, and then it turned into a scoring fest right there at the tail end of the game. Yeah, so within, uh, uh, I want to say, five minutes, Yeah, three goals were scored, two by yeah. us and one by them. Maybe I just need to log in a little sooner and get that scoring kicked off. But anyway, it was pretty good showing. It's wild to me how these soccer rankings are so fluid. You know, it's like, oh, well, you tied, you're dropping three spots. You know what yeah. I mean? It's kind of wild like that. So after a big win or after a win, maybe we see the herd crack up into the top four again or something like that. But who cares? You know, these rankings, as long as you're in the top 25, you're in the top 25. Yeah, and they come out on Tuesday, and we just happened to play af right after that ranking so we got that win and then if we go down and beat south carolina at south carolina i got a feeling that we'll go back up into the top five yeah. uh, now that may take one of them getting a draw or a loss or whatever but uh kentucky leapfrogged us mm -hmm. you know and we had that draw against them and we leapfrogged them by tying them yeah uh ties still give you a point in soccer you get one point instead of two so uh, we just really need to have a good showing for the rest of the conference slate. Oh, I agree. Totally agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, women's soccer, they had a draw with uh, Louisiana Monroe, zero to zero as well. And then uh, Georgia Southern will be at home tomorrow at 7 p.m. Anyone wants to go to that game, we'll have tickets that we're going to be giving away. And then they play Georgia State on Sunday, and they're at Georgia State. Yeah, just be on the lookout for contest tweets uh, for those tickets, and um, I don't know, get out there and support them. Over in basketball, for men and women, season tickets are now on sale, so head on over to Herd Zone or stop by the ticket office if you do not have your basketball season tickets. In men's golf, the uh, team finished tied for 11th overall in the tournament that ended, uh, I think it was yesterday or maybe maybe it was even early today, but um, Tyler Jones finished tied for 10th. Oh, top 10 finish. Nice. Yep. Even better is on the women's side, they, those same two days, also had a tournament that they were in. The team finished tied for 5th overall, and Emily McClatchy finished tied for 2nd. Nice. Dang. Yeah. yeah. Tennis, Emma Vanderhayden lost her pre-qualifying match. That was on Saturday, and this was for the ITA Women's All-American Championships. So that was in singles, obviously, because I didn't read off two names. That would have indicated it was double. <laughs> is that how that works? That is. Just trying to catch everybody up at home. Uh, but anyway, Emma uh, lost, and I looked at 
the results and it 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 had said that she was going into the uh consolation round i could not find any results for that i have to imagine that she didn't win one uh, you know so probably lost that because her results were nowhere on the uh yeah. on the page uh over in cross country man we have got quite the story here let's start off by talking about Abby Herring. We have uh, we have talked about her quite a bit and how she has set uh, all these different uh, records. And like to remind everyone that this is a herd athlete that hails from Parkersburg, so homegrown talent. She smashed her time from last year at the same event by shaving off forty seconds, right at forty seconds, and that continued in the 5k to lower and lower her all-time school record so just a i mean we're going to talk about a lot of personal records that were set here but her 5k time is now 17 45 so 17 minutes 45 seconds for 5k fastest in school history but beat it by 40 seconds. And we just, <laughs> we talked about last year how she had lowered it by something like 30 or 40 seconds or whatever to get to that point. Also though, Kaylee Maston, Hannah Weiler, they both set personal records, uh, 1801 and 1832 respectively. Uh, Sydney Smith came in directly behind Weiler with 1837. And Asha Bora rounded out the top five with 1844. So a lot of personal records uh, that happened in that. And it also says that uh, junior Carrie Hively had uh, a personal record. Uh, Sophia Newsom had a personal record. Kaylee Jordan had a personal record. And, uh, that's just from the women. The men saw six new personal records set as well. And uh, they finished 12th out of the 45 teams. And uh, Brandon Wood led the Marshall team uh, at 2501 on an 8K. And he set a personal record for the second consecutive meet, beating his last meet's time by nearly a full minute. Now, he finished at... Uh, 2557 and no i think that it was 2501 2557 was what his was the last time so uh freshman matthew schienenberg had a massive drop in his time as well finishing behind wood with a time of 2505 beating his previous time of 26 minutes, 57 seconds. So he finished one minute and 52 seconds better than his personal best ever. Uh, Evan White finished third, and he cut off nearly 45 seconds from his. Brad Armbruster, uh, Kazuma Bowring, they rounded out the top five. I had a nearly 30-second drop and over a minute drop on theirs as well. And Junior Kent B set a new personal record, cutting his previous 8K from 26.57 to 26.29, lowering it by 28 seconds. 
we just flat out i don't know if they were <laughs> was, was this one downhill or something i don't know <laughs> they all have the wind at their back did they have uh, whatever it was man it was a great showing uh obviously we're not talking about them dominating by uh being the the leader of this particular meet or anything like that no one came in first but anytime that you're cutting a minute and 52 seconds off of your personal best time in an 8k race that is crazy yeah and 28 32 40 all these different times that people shaved off of there it's great to see uh just really hope that uh they can continue to get better and especially like we like to talk about peak right around that uh, final meet and tournament time. Yeah. I know I can't like just exclusively give all the credit to uh, the coach, but remember this is a new head coach for the cross country team. It's Caleb Brown's team or Caleb Bowen's team that he's only been the coach, the head coach now for a handful of weeks, maybe a month or two. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about that on the five things. Right. So This is probably a little bit of a change in philosophy, a change in coaching approach and training regimen and all that kind of stuff. Plus these, these athletes are just um, developing and evolving. So that's a lot of personal records. And those are huge chunks of time. And we're not talking about like five or six seconds here, man. This is like two minutes. Yeah. I mean, that's big. That's big. So congratulations to that entire team for, uh, the numbers that they posted, the personal best that each individual athlete was posted, and this coaching staff for really uh, doing something right here because this is this is kind of wild. I mean, that many records in one meet versus the same times from the same meet from last year is pretty astonishing. Mm-hmm. Pretty astonishing. So congratulations to them. That's pretty awesome. All right, over in softball, uh, we got a commitment, and uh, it was Reagan Wall uh, has now committed. She's a class of twenty twenty four. Uh, outfielder and she uh in 2021 was ranked 76th in the nation uh for the entire class of 2024 could not find anything on if that has gone up this year uh in if she's gone up the rankings any but big time commit out of the state of alabama yeah i saw several little blurbs i can't really find much it's not like a football recruiting profile where you can just go and it tells you everything softball's a little harder to find some things sometimes, but I did see that uh, she's former all state outfielder in the state of Alabama. And if you're talking about a class of 2024 athlete, there's some youth there still. Mm-hmm. Uh, also mentioned that uh, she was a, she set a stolen base record and I couldn't find what the record was. If it was just a school record or a state record or season record of some sort, but that's, you know, man, we talk about baseball and softball and those are the type of things that are near and dear to my heart. I am a big fan of running the bases and stealing bases. That's one of my favorite things as a part of those games is base stealing. So uh, that's really pretty cool. I also appreciate the fact that in her commitment tweet, she tagged us in it. So thank you so much for including us in your uh, decision to join the herd. Uh, I, I immediately kind of reached back out when I saw that and, and uh, told her that, you know, a lot of, schools will sell that family you know felt like a family there they all do that but we deliver that marshall delivers that no no other we heard doc holiday say this exclusively about the football team but i think it applies to marshall in general you know doc said that no football team means more to its community than marshall does well i think that's athletics wide i think that's school wide university wide marshall just means more to huntington 
And Huntington means more to Marshall than any other, you know, university and city town combination maybe in the country. So we do really deliver that family atmosphere, that family, you know, we're a herd. We're all part of the herd, right? And uh, doesn't get much more family than having uh, the head coach and the assistant coach being being husband and wife. Wife and and husband. Yeah, last thing I'm going to say about that is uh, some of the pictures that she posted, there's one there with her and Corey kind of like flexing at the camera. And Corey's shoe game is pretty on tight, uh, pretty on point. I mean, he he talked about him being a a sneakerhead and – and uh, he's rocking the dunks in the photo. I mean, don't think I that went unnoticed there, Holmes. I'm catching that kind of stuff. I'm catching that kind of stuff. So uh, what do we got? Uh, oh, do you have anything else? Yeah, I do. So also for softball, this uh, Saturday and Sunday, they're going to be uh, doing the first weekend of two for their fall ball. And I'll go over that real quick. Saturday the 8th, they'll be playing Davidson Elkins on at 1230. And then at 3 o'clock, they'll have West Virginia Tech. Uh, Sunday, they're going to have Potomac State at 1230 and West Virginia Wesleyan at 3. Cool. And finally, on Around the Herd, we've got volleyball. On Thursday, playing at Georgia State, they got swept three sets to nothing and then turned around on Friday and played them and swept them three sets to nothing. Um, Pretty quick turnaround. Pretty pretty (laughs) good results. Uh, they are traveling to Troy, and uh, they're doing a Thursday-Friday matchup with them down there this week. I did also see that the Sun Belt tweeted out uh, like tickets are going to be available for the volleyball championships coming up. I should have taken note of that. So if that's something you're interested about, then you can probably either go to the Sun Belt website or their Twitter account if you're on Twitter mm-hmm. and find a link relatively easy to uh, for. Cha- uh, volleyball championships information as far as locations, dates, times, tickets, that kind of thing, if, if that's what you want to do. Last thing I want to say uh, around the herd is I've seen a flurry of tweets from the uh, herd uh, facilities putting mm-hmm. up some new signages and stuff around for some of our teams. There was some new stuff that went up in the uh, for swim and dive, uh, some new tarps and stuff on uh, areas of the field at the dot. Looks pretty cool. And then a really sweet neon uh, marco head that went up for women's basketball today yeah uh so that's just the three that i saw real quick there may have been more i didn't go digging it's just those happened across my timeline and i love to see that kind of stuff so um our facilities are getting a little bit of a cosmetic upgrade in certain areas and that's just cool man i just like to see that kind of stuff uh russ if you got any final words let's have them otherwise let's get out of here this week well, final word is uh, for this Wednesday game. We're going to be uh, talking about it more uh, when we do next week's. Uh, I don't know if we're recording Sunday night, Monday night, whatever we're doing. But uh, I'm going to be the sponsor uh, for my business, Boyd Cat. I'm, I don't own Boyd Cat. I'm a salesman for them. Uh, we are putting on a low country boil in for any of you that don't know what a low country boil is, it's best to just Google it. But it's a one pot timed thing with uh, shrimp, smoked sausage, corn, and potatoes. We're doing that because it is going to be a shorter tailgate for most people. That is uh, 42 minutes to cook. We'll be cooking it right there, dumping it right out on some trays on the table, and just everybody load up and it just happens to be against Louisiana who are famous for seafood boils. So mm-hmm. 
uh, not to try to compete with them. It's totally different. Uh, this is more of a uh, Georgia, South Carolina style uh, from the low country type. Uh, we are not going to be doing Cajun crawled ads over there uh, on a boil. But I encourage everybody to stop by. I have some customers that are going to be there uh, enjoying, you know, tailgating with us. And uh, hope to have the food out. We'll talk about it more, but probably five to five o'clock or so. Yeah. And remember, now we are in the new sea lot uh, that just opened up, you know, for tailgating and we secured a couple of spots there. So we're right behind the end zone, uh, beside McDonald's and, uh, you know, kind of catty corner diagonal to the west lot, um, right by the M Club gazebo. If that kind of narrows it down for you, you'll know right where we're at. Yeah. So don't hesitate to stop by and say what's up. Uh, go grab some food, talk to the herd, meet some folks, have a good time. And again, we'll we'll have more details about what our kind of midweek extra is going to look like with the Louisiana preview. I'll know more about that in the coming days. But for this one, hey, it's a good week to it was a good week to get a win. Uh, several athletes notched personal best. Several accolades across the board. The the herd continues to climb na- nationally in several individual categories and team. Uh, categories defensively if we can just get that passing game to click man the herd can be dangerous so uh russ if you don't got nothing else takes out of here yeah so whether you see us at uh, the cam you see us at the dot you see us at uh hoops family uh soccer complex or whether you see us over in the new sea lot throwing down on a low country boil no matter wherever you see us we're going to be saying go herd Go Herd, it's the Thundercast. We'll see you in a few days with a Louisiana preview. Later.